Every day, during this great and terrible pause, Cood Street is calling up readers and book lovers from around the world to check in and see how they're coping with these strange times, and to chat about what they're reading and what they have coming up. Today I'm joined by the August Derleth Award-winning author of Light Errant, the best-selling Outreamer series, the Crater School series, and the Mrs. Bailey cooking column on Medium, Chaz Brenchley, who joins me from the wilds of America. Hello, Chaz. Hello, Jonathan. How are you, sir? I am okay. Um, we are we are living in strange times, as you know, um, and we have yeah we have we have wildfires on top of lockdown on top of um, pandemic on top of crazy crazy politics and an election coming up. So I'm I'm you know I'm I'm tolerably sober, <laughs> and I have to win. Which must be a challenge. I mean, I kind of feel like I, uh, we we met for the first time about a year ago in Dublin when we were all there for Worldcon, yep. and we seem to have somehow fallen into a completely different world where nothing we thought we would be doing then has any relevance to the universe at all. Right. Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, you, you and I, we should have met up in New Zealand. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, earlier this year. Um, I was looking forward to that. Yes. But... Yeah, it's it is it is it is a weird, weird year, um, and I suppose into each life, some years must fall that that turn out this way. But this is ours. This this is definitely ours. So tell me, like, are you able to 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 function in the fog of all of this? Because I find that it is like this endless fog of time now, uh, and doing anything is difficult. Focusing. Yeah, um, I I used. Once upon a time, back in the ago, um, I used I used to have focus. I could do I would do one thing, and then it was done, and I'd move on to something else. And this I mean this applied to writing as much as it applied to anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, I would write one book at a time, and and I would finish it, and I'd move on to the next thing. Um, at the moment, I have four novels that I am writing in a sort of serial fashion, one chapter at a time, alternating between all four of them. Um, this is insane. <laughs> I never do this. Um, it's crazy hard to try and keep track of, this is chapter six of that book, and that was chapter six of this book, and da-da-da-da-da. Um, and, and, and I have no idea, but I've got, I've got no long-term solid focus for anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've become a skitterbug, which is weird to me. Do you think it's because there is no clear end to this or because we've been stuck in it so long that all the routines of everything have fallen apart? And so that then rolls rolls into everything else. Yeah, um, everything rolls into everything else, inevitably. Um, And when that's coupled with my... um, I was about to say domestic situation, but that sounds grim. Um, (laughs) The way I live my life... Um, yeah, I spend a lot of time shopping, gardening, cooking, um, and all of that seems to take longer mm-hmm. and demand more thought, more energy, more focus. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it takes it takes me five minutes now to get out of the house. Yeah, because I have to, I have to put on sunscreen because I had a cancer thing. Yeah. earlier this year. Yeah. Um, and 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 then there's the mask and the and the shades and the hat and everything. Yeah, I used to just go outside. And I can't do that. <laughs> it's, it requires an effort of will. Um, it's weird. Yeah. And I guess we, we lose track of how important things like 
being able to see friends for dinner or just go down to the shops and talk to someone is. Yeah, um, I mean, we we don't we didn't go out an awful lot beforehand for reasons. Sure, yeah. Um, but every Thursday mm-hmm. for years now, we've had friends come over here and I cook a big dinner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes it's half a dozen and sometimes it's twenty. Yeah. Um, and and that was that was our big social thing of the week. Um, and it is the thing that broke up the regularity of our days. Um, and, and the other thing I did apart from writing and sort of keeping the house together, um, and that's just gone now, you know, we cannot do that. Um, so yeah, um, it's odd. It it is, but it doesn't mean, I mean, the hard thing is to hold on, I think, to the idea that, and it will end. This version of things will end, right? Which is important to keep track of, but it's hard. we have no idea when. Um... Sometimes. Uh, yeah, the, the politics craziness may end at the end of this year, but it may not. Um, and the fires, the fires will end because they're seasonal. Um, and, and the virus, God knows. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're opening schools and stuff. And, and, and I don't know. I do not know. It's all weird. Well, if we're talking about beginnings and endings and such, I should ask, since it's part of what we're here for, are you, do you find yourself able to read, to, to, to focus on things? And if so, have read, you read anything? I can. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I can still read, which is just as well. <laughs> because if I couldn't read, you know, I have no idea. Yeah. I, 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 it's, at the moment, my day is bracketed by it's the thing that holds me together between you know i read and then i go and do something and i come back and i read yeah. and it's 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 the it's the mortar to all the individual books in my life at the moment well let me ask... probably always has been. i'm just more aware of it now sure well i mean let me ask you then what have you been re- yeah. reading and critically is it any good ah um of course it's good i only read good things um <laughs> Yeah, so you see, I mean, the thing is, last year, had you said, Chaz, what would you do in a pandemic? Mm-hmm. I would say, I'm fine. You mm-hmm. know, oh, I have a house full of books. Um, and there are certain things that I naturally fall back on. Um, you know, I have, I have a passion for long books mm-hmm. and long series. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be fine, I would have said. Um, because, yeah, I mean, there are all the Patrick O'Brien books from beginning to end. Um, there is the entire oeuvre of Neil Stevenson, whom I adore. Um, and, yeah, these things, plus, mm. plus various others that I've accumulated over my life, just, just yeah, sort of individual passions yeah. that I can always go back to. And yeah. I thought I'd be fine. But the thing is, um, a couple of years ago, uh, my wife, Karen, went through chemo and a stem cell transplant and couldn't leave the house for six months while her immune system rebuilt itself. So effectively, you know, we had we had our own private lockdown yeah. that went on just just a couple of years ago. And that's when I read all the things. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been through my entire collection of fallback. <laughs> um, so I was I was kind of a bit stuck. 
Um, but and the the other thing that is uh, earlier at the start of the year before before the lockdown happened, um, I was cheerfully reading new um, space opera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, Elizabeth Bear's Ancestral Night. Yeah, and Megan O'Keefe's Velocity Weapon and books like this. And because because I love space opera with passion. Um, and um, and then lockdown hit. And yep. and suddenly, apparently, all I want to read is mysteries. Yeah. Um, but my my favourite fallbacks I had already read recent too recently to go back to again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have been reading, um, things I hadn't read before. Um, Colin Cotterill's Doctor Siri books, um, which are set in Laos. Yeah. Uh, start with the coroner's lunch, and there are about fifteen of them. It's lovely. Um, so I've devoured all of those. Yeah. And John Burdett's Bangkok books, starting with Bangkok Eight, um, and it's been like that, sort of alternating. I mean, the the um, I have I have this built-in fondness for the Far East anyway, because yeah. I, I grew up as a child of a child of empire. Yeah. Um, my mother was born in Rangoon and grew up in Kuala Lumpur and Singapore. Um, so, yeah, her, her, her tales of her childhood seeded my childhood. And, and I've, been, I've been mildly obsessed ever since, frankly. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that, that kind of, that those um, mysteries in an Asian landscape, um, I just love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and since I've got to the end of both of those series... <laughs> I'm rereading um, the Mary Russell Sherlock Holmes books um, by Laurie King, yep. who is she's a friend and she's local and 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 I love these books. Yeah, they're they're great. That's the ones that start with the Beekeeper's Apprentice, I think, or is that that series? Um, um, Beekeeper's Apprentice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great books. Actually, with with the uh, Asian books, have you read the Paul Mann novels? Yeah, there was it. Uh, have you read the the Paul Mann novels? You know, no. uh, the Ganja Coast, the Burning Ghats, those ones. No, I would recommend them to you strongly. Thank you. Yay. They are great. They read them a ha- oh. handful of years ago. There was the Burning Tide, the Ganja Coast, and a couple others. Yeah, they're terrific. Okay. So, but so, do you find that in times like these, the there is a comfort in mysteries because they have a clear resolution? That may be the case. Um, I mean, it is mysteries in and of themselves. Well, the the classic Western mystery, at any rate, is it's a conservative genre. Mm -hmm. Um, Things are tidied up and pretty much end where they began. and yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's neat, it's tidy. These these books are not quite like that. Um, they are. Um, the world gets more agitated mm-hmm. as you move through the books, um, and, and the um, the Doctor Siri books. Are, it's is a very agitated world to start with because this is Laos just after its communist revolution. Yeah. Um, and they are they are trying to build a society, yeah. Um, with people who are ve- with a population that is very cynical about it, um, and 
so that it doesn't it doesn't really have that conservative twist that that mysteries tend to um and oh and 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 the other thing i was reading mm-hmm. um the uh slow horses and its sequels um i'm going to remember the author's name at any moment I'll, i promise I'll, i will look it up um, from the show notes okay um but these are mick heron mick heron with two r's yeah um uh, these are effectively he is the john le carre of our times mm-hmm. um these are these are mi5 mi6 novels um but they are much more about internal fighting between agencies and and indeed inside the agencies um individual ambitions and mm-hmm. and the lengths people will go to than they really are about foreign spies or anything um they are brilliantly written and um funny and caustic and subversive of course um i love them excellent well this is what you've been reading let me ask you what have you been working on what do you have out in the world what's what's coming from Chaz brenchley okay so most of my actual creative work at the moment is um it's happening online rather than Mm. um with publishers um i uh, so i had this thing um when i first moved to california eight years ago yeah um we live we live in the heart of silicon valley and that means we are entirely surrounded by cool stuff mm-hmm. um including nasa is two miles in that direction and seti the seti institute is two miles over there um and Every week, SETI used to have a colloquium mm-hmm. where some serious scientist would talk to an audience of serious scientists about some serious scientific project or discovery or what's name. Um, it's one of those settings where occasionally there are more Nobel Prizes in the audience than there are on the platform. <laughs> um, there was, was a lovely time... Um, where a guy was talking about his new theory about entropy. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating, and it was way over my head. But I kind of, you know, I could kind of follow as he spoke, while knowing that as soon as I walked out of the door, it would all vanish like smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he got to the end, it was so obvious that if he was right, this was his Nobel Prize. It would take 20 years before it arrived, but sure. the work had been done. And he said... Right now, there are two people in the world who believe this, and they're both in this room, <laughs> which is just awesome. Um, but so it was like that. But I've, a lot of it was planetary scientists talking yep. about you know, the planets of our solar system and recent discoveries, yep. and and what what projects they had on what missions to which planets and stuff. And and so I was thinking a lot about. Um, about this solar system and planets, um, and and particularly about Mars. It was it was the time when Curiosity had just landed, mm-hmm. so everything was all Mars all the time. So I was thinking about Mars, and at the same time, I am coming to the point. Honestly, no, 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 I, 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 um, I can see it. See it. But yeah. at the same time, um, there was a conversation going on around steampunk about how. Steampunk seemed to default 
to the British Empire, mm -hmm. particularly the Victorian British Empire, um, and how it didn't need to do that. Um, you know, there were there were all these other possibilities all across the globe, and people were writing exciting new stuff that that paid no heed whatsoever to Victorian England, which is fine. But you know, I as I say, I am the child of the child of empire, mm -hmm. um, and. I started thinking about it completely the other way. You know, if if the British Empire had actually been influenced by a steampunk culture, um, and and if we could bring Mars into that, if Mars were a colony of the British Empire, mm -hmm. what would that have meant actually to the British Empire and to the history of the world as we know it? What would have changed? Mm -hmm. um, and there's there is so much, um, and and I've been. I've been writing, I started by writing a few short stories, um, some of which, well, got into best of collections and stuff, which was nice. Um, and and then I sort of moved on to unfinished novels. Um, and I'm still working on them. Um, and and at the moment, I mean, I have this crazy Patreon yeah, yeah. where I am writing English girls boarding school stories set on Mars, um, because that's another lifelong passion of mine. Um, and and because every great English girls' boarding school has a great cook down in the kitchen, yeah. um, I'm writing recipes. Mrs. Bailey's <laughs> Martian Kitchen. Um, and I'm publishing them on on on, on, on Medium. Um, and and there is a there's a new there's a new recipe goes up most days. Oh, yeah. it's, it's it's huge fun. A little bit of sort of backstory <laughs> about about the ingredients on Mars and yada yada. Um and and this is how Mrs. Bailey cooks um name your favourite dish here. Um it's huge fun. Um <laughs> and the the chapters I mean yeah, I'm I'm on Patreon the 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 boarding school stories are getting published chapter by chapter. Um and one of the one of the former pupils of the boarding school is now basically a spy, um, and and she she has two novels um, currently happening, and which are being published chapter by chapter on Patreon and so on. So I'm very very busy, but there's nothing in the bookshops and there's nothing on Amazon, um, except I have to tell you, uh, next year, one of the things I've been doing for the last month or so. Yeah. Is preparing the text. Um, next year, Subterranean Press, whom I adore, uh, will be bringing out a best of Chaz Brenchley, our uh, short story collection. I am so chuffed about this because um, it's like it's like validation. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I mean, I've been writing for 40, I've been publishing for forty something years, yeah. um, and and I've never had a bestseller, and I've never won a really big award, um, but to get a best of collection is yeah, it's a recognition that I it have is. actually done a lot of work and it's out there and it's worthwhile. So and it also, I guess, gives an audience that isn't familiar yet with your work a chance to see it in one place. It's that classic yeah. thing with a, a Greatest Hits album with the 10 best tracks on it where you go, ah, that's what he's about. It's a starting point that leads you into other things, yes. And I was going to come around to it because I'm fascinated by the Patreon thing and this what sounds like Mallory Towers on Mars, right? Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. And well, first of all, I mean, it's plain how you've come to write it, and it sounds great. But has it been frustrating that it is somewhat invisible to the world at large? 
Um, it is it is sort of frustrating. I mean, I have you know I have the cure for that. I can very easily um, pull an edition together and and publish it myself. Um, and I just haven't done that because I don't know why. It was, <laughs> it, yeah, it's part of the deal. Yeah. Um, it, it is an absolute promise that I am going to do this. Um, and 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 I don't really know why I'm faltering short because I'm yeah, I'm on the third novel now. There are two books there waiting, but it's the same with um yeah all my early all my early books are long out of print mm-hmm. and rights have reverted to me and have I made the effort to put them out myself? I really haven't. Um I don't I mean th- yeah I know I never wanted to be a publisher. Sure. Um I don't want to be in the position of having to make those decisions about no. typeface and cover and do da 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 da. This is none of this is my skills. It's none of it is in my skill set. Um, and and I want I always wanted um, just to be a writer. I, I didn't I didn't want to have to go out and do publicity things ever. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah I, I I pine for the old days of the ivory tower. It's yeah, I, I should have been sitting there writing and posting off my manuscripts as I used to do back in the seventies and eighties. Um, and and that should that yeah, that was that was my ideal publishing setup. Sure. Um, and and I didn't have to do anything around it. I was just responsible for the texts. Um, and and yeah, I, I feel I feel that that's a loss to to probably a whole bunch of us, but specifically to me. I'm curious, is publishing the creative school world the way you are a way to some degree of protecting it from commercial publishing? And by that I mean you get to sit there and write what you're going to write, get it the way you want it done, and not have to take anything else into account at this point. It stays its its own spun sugar piece of thing there and isn't being torn apart. Yeah. Um, that is, I mean, that's obviously the attraction of of being able to self-publish now as we can, as we didn't used to be able to at all, um, is that it's, it leaves you in total control of the product. Um, there are disadvantages to that in that people are publishing stuff without having gone through any editorial process. And for the most part, um, I think editors are worthwhile. Though I used to, I, I used to argue with my copy editors yes. to such an extent that that one, yeah, a major big five publisher, my editor eventually said to me, Chaz, would you prefer that we just not do a copy edit? <laughs> <laughs> to which I said, no, copy editing is important. It's just that your copy editors are wrong. <laughs> and I am right. <laughs> oh. Well, I can only say that I hope that you find a way to get uh, the creative school stories out into the world. They sound wonderful. Now, I should say, before I suggest that they are hidden from the world, people just have to go to your Patreon, and the link will be in the show notes, to actually experience them. And I think, actually, they can read the beginning of the series before they sign up. That's... I I think the... I think there was some... The opening chapters or something. Opening section or something that's completely free. And and it's, th- I mean, it's $3 a month, you know. Yes. 
Like, they'd buy me a coffee, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think to get to read your novels, they should do at least that. That sounds thoroughly reasonable. So, yeah. Crater School and spin-offs and other novels as well. It sounds like you're yeah. as busy as you possibly could for someone who's not visibly publishing something. I know, I know, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> it's it's New World Order or something. Um, or I'm just being ridiculously self-indulgent. I don't know. It, hey, it sounds like it's working. Uh, so, <laughs> Creative School is there. Uh, the Best of Chaz Branchley will come out sometime in 2021 from our good yep. friends at Subterranean. Yep. But, but for the moment, Chaz Branchley, thank you so very, very much for making the time to talk to me today. I appreciate it. No, it was huge fun. Thank you.